This morning, we're going to be in Acts chapter 19. If you have a Bible, join me there with you. If you don't have leather bound, that's cool. If you're not kicking it old school, you can uh, pull it up on your phone and uh, we'll jump into Acts 19. Um, have you ever forgotten something that was really important? Like something really important. You just totally forgot it. Um, a while back when I was in college in Florida, my friends and I decided that on the weekend, uh, we would drive out to Destin, Florida, which was this beach town nearby where we went, went to school, and we would spend the afternoon there on Saturday. And so we made our plans on Friday night, and uh, we packed our things, we went to bed, and early Saturday morning I woke up, and uh, I made Chemex coffee in my bathroom, because that's how I did it back then. Uh, things have advanced and improved since then, since getting married. But uh, that's what I did, and I got ready, and I met my friends down in the lobby of my dorm at 7 p.m., or 7 a.m. And uh, we got together, and uh, we, we all piled into the back of my friend's car, and we started driving to the outlet malls where we're gonna spend the afternoon. And uh, around 45 minutes into our drive, it's like, you know, 7.50, my friend Danny texts us in a group message and says, hey, where are you guys? We're leaving at eight, right? And we're like, oh my gosh, we forgot Danny, right? We're like 45 minutes away. There's no way we're turning back at this point. And none of us had realized that Danny wasn't with us until he texted us. And to make things worse, uh, we, we used to have this name for Danny, okay? So what you gotta know about Danny, is he's a really small guy, like really small. And his Honduran ge uh, genetics really didn't help him out at all. And so we had this name that, don't judge us, we had this name that we would call him, and it was Baby Gap, okay? So when we finally got to the outlet malls, we took a group photo and we sent it to him. This is the photo that we sent to my friend Danny. We're just standing there. He's there with us in the picture. That's our friend B Baby Gap. See, the, the reality is, is that you can be going along not even realizing that the thing you had at first is no longer with you. We can go about life in such a way that we realize that we're missing something. And many of us this morning feel like something's missing. says in Acts chapter
and like a few minutes into it, they received the Holy Spirit. See, these Christians were following Jesus, not even realizing the fullness of relationship that was available to them. They didn't realize that there was a Holy Spirit for them to receive. This reminds me of my friend Victoria. Now, I met Victoria a few years ago at Alpha, which we're going to be doing in the future. If you'd like to, to be a part of Alpha, come check out Life Shared in a couple weeks. But um, I met my friend Victoria at Alpha. And um, the reason why Victoria was there is her mom had recently passed away. And uh, she had been going through all of her mom's things, her diaries and journals and all of that, and she realized that one of the huge and, and big parts of her mom's life that she had no idea about was that she was a follower of Jesus. And so she was on a hunt to find the God that her mom loved and worshipped. And so she shows up in Alpha, and I, could realize, I realized that something was like really motivating her to find God. And one of the nights at Alpha is called Holy Spirit Night. And she shows up at Holy Spirit Night and she said, damn, I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit until 20 minutes ago when you sent out the email saying we're doing Holy Spirit Night. And she's like, I'm so excited to learn about God. Now, about an hour into the evening, she is... illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. In other words, crazy things are beginning to happen in the church of Ephesus. Wild things are taking place in that city. In fact, people realize that there's a special anointing on this guy, guy named Paul, so they start stealing stuff from him. They take his handkerchief and they bring it to a sick person and bam, they get healed. They steal his apron. He's just trying to like, you know, cook dinner or something like that. But they take his apron and they take it to somebody and a demon get, gets cast out of them. Like wild miracles are happening in Ephesus. They're casting demons out left, right, and center. God was at work in Ephesus in a powerful way through Paul. In fact, Luke says that, quote, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. See, this is a pretty impressive resume. This is a pretty impressive list of things that is happening in Ephesus through Paul. And so God is, is powerfully using Paul in the city. It goes on to say this in verse 13. So, I'll drink to that. Um, it says some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus.
they give it a go. And they come up to this guy who's got a, got a demon, and they're like, in the name of Jesus, who, who, who we heard Paul preach, come out of him. And it goes terribly wrong for them. And so the question that we should be asking is, is the name of Jesus not powerful? Like, these guys are doing all of the right things. They're, they're, they're confronting this demon in the name of Jesus. Is the name of Jesus not powerful? Is that the issue here? No. The issue is that there's no authority without intimacy. These guys have no authority because they don't know Jesus. They're talking about Jesus whom Paul knows and who Paul preaches about. See, it is intimacy that leads to authority. This is like showing up to Costco with somebody else's Costco card, right? Not that you'd ever do this, right? You're showing them the Costco card, the clerk looks at you, they look at the card and you're like, man, it's just a black and white photo. They're like looking at the card, they're like, no, this isn't you, right? Because there's no authority without intimacy. These guys want access to power that they don't possess. They want power that only intimacy will provide them. And it goes on to say in verse 17, when this, this event happened, became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In, the same, in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So when the people of Ephesus caught wind to what happened to the guys, um, uh, the, the seven sons of Sceva, right? They're just like at the pub and like words like going around, you know, did you hear the guys like left naked and bleeding? Um, so when people start to, to hear what happened, it says, quote, that the name of Jesus was held in high honor. People realize that the name of Jesus is more powerful than the powers that they had been confronted with. They realize that the name of Jesus is more powerful than sorcery and magic and idol worship. And they realize that the name of Jesus is, is in fact, more powerful than demons. And people, in result of this, start confessing their sin. They come and publicly burn their scrolls and magic books, and they turn from their old ways of life. This, my friends, is revival. on cards and make me like, you know,
What's the thing that is in the way of you following Jesus? What is in the way of you seeing Jesus for as beautiful and as glorious as he truly is? Because for many of us, there's something in the way. There's something that needs to be burned up. And as a result of them doing this, it says that, quote, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. In other words, their personal revival led to corporate and cultural renewal. The word of God began to spread as people began to turn their lives over to the way and will of God. See, I don't want us to doubt the impact of your personal devotion to Jesus. See, a city was impacted because individuals were captivated by Jesus. And what we'll see in just a moment, that it actually led to a riot, right? This is like one of the most exciting chapters in the Bible. Let's check out this riot in verse 23. It says, at about this time, there arose a great disturbance about the way, right? Like, this is like high stakes tension. This is like, we are not okay with these people following Jesus. It says a silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of the goddess Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together along with the workers in related trades and said, you know, my friends, that we received a good income from this business. And you see in here how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus, and particularly the whole province of Asia, right? This is like the, the word of God is spreading. So he, he's considered that they're, they're actually taking over the, the landscape here. And he says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. There is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So so people are giving their lives to Jesus. They're walking away from their old ways of life of idol worship and magic and sorcery. And as a result, people are going out of business. See, the church in Ephesus put sin out of business in their city. Imagine what that would be like for us today to put strip clubs and dispensaries out of business because people are getting right with Jesus. People are turning from their old ways of life, and the people who are making an income off the sin and back of people struggling in their sin are beginning to worry. See, the whole city here is in an uproar. This is a full-on riot, as we'll see in just a few moments. See, people are going mad because people are getting right with God, and they can no longer capitalize on this. And so eventually the people start to riot, and they don't even know the cause. This is, this is so great. They just start rioting for the sake of it. Check it out in verse 32. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. I love that. It's great. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And I can just imagine this in this Greco-Roman city. People just.
marked by their love for Jesus. Your first love. lose their first love. See, this was a church that started by people burning their scrolls and, and uh, magic books in the idols. A church that put idolatry out of business in their city. This was a church that saw healing, miracles, and deliverance. This was a church that put sin out of business in their city and had an undying love for Jesus, and yet they lost their first love. They started strong, but eventually the fire flickered out. The love faded. See, this was a church that had great theology, had a great standard of excellence, but their passion for Jesus faded. See, Jesus said the greatest commandment is not to have all of your theology together. It's not to be perfect. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And yet it seems... Like no matter how hard we try, our love at times can fade. At times it feels like we don't have the love we have at first. And many of us in this room would say that our love for Jesus isn't the way that we would want it to be. In other words, we want to love Jesus more than we do. See, we don't love Jesus the way that we
important things to worry about in this life. See, the world wants you to worry about your mortgage, about getting ahead, about your social status, or even worse, if the devil can't get you to sin, he'll get you to to waste your life on things that simply do not matter as much as you think they do. The world is after our attention. Jesus says this in Matthew 24, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. So what do you do when your love has grown cold? What do you do when you've lost the love you had at first, the fire and passion you had when you began? Jesus said the greatest command is to love. In fact, he said that on this hangs all of the law and the prophets. All of the Old Testament hangs on this. If we love God with our mind, soul, and strength. You know, I believe that a church that knows a lot about Jesus, but lacks love and devotion for Jesus is a dying church and will not be around long. See, the sad reality is that if you go to Ephesus today, there is no church there. This church it has closed its doors because somewhere along to be so aware telling us that if we've lost our
And your love, if, if you're not careful, can begin to dwindle. It can begin to, to fade away. And what John is saying is that we need to go back in the beginning. We need to go back to the way it was when we were first following Jesus. And we need to begin, begin to do those things. So what were the things that began to ignite your faith early on? What were the things that stoked the fire of your love for Jesus? See, what happens is we get caught up in the busyness of life. We get caught up in the busyness of the day in and day out, and we forget to do the things we did at first. And we stop doing the things that we did that caused us to love Jesus. So, so what are the things that, that, that cause you to love Jesus? What are the things that stir your affection for Jesus? I want to say one more word before the band comes up, and that's this. If you notice what John writes to this church, he says, I see your good deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. What that tells me is that this church was really good at doing. They were really good at mustering up their strength and doing things for Jesus. They were really good at having good doctrine and theology and sermons and teaching. They were really good when it came to their own effort. But if you have lost your love for Jesus, none of that will be enough. Because John, he was actually the pastor of the church at Ephesus for, for decades. He, he says that we love because he first loved us. See, this isn't about us trying to stir up our love and affection for Jesus. If you've lost your first love, you need to go back to the one who first loved you. We need to go back and, and experience the love of Jesus afresh. Paul writes in the book of Romans that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And some of us need to taste of the goodness of God's love for us this morning. And maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus and you need to encounter the love of God for the first time. I want to let you know that the love of God is made available to you. Even when, when we remain unfaithful to God, his love is steadfast and faithful to us. So no matter how far you are from God, no matter how cold your love is for Jesus, his love for you is the same. 